Well, if you have some wrapping to do, maybe cleaning, tidying, I don't know. I don't think anyone's decluttering right now, which is totally fine. Put it on hold for now. We say maintain, don't gain in the month of December. We'll hit the ground running at come January, but I thought we could work together. I have some Christmas gifts to wrap and also uh, answer some questions too. I asked for questions on Instagram, so we had some good questions. Everything from um, what happened to foster care and why I haven't been talking about that. Do Diana and I pay each other to be on each other's channels? Um, what I'm looking forward to in 2024 and some, some good decluttering questions too. So we're going to cover the full gamut today. Hopefully you can get some work done while we visit. Welcome to the Minimal Mom Podcast, where simplicity meets inspiration on your journey to a clutter-free and intentional life. Join us each week as we dive into practical tips, real-life stories, and expert interviews to guide you through the art of decluttering, intentional living, and finding joy in the simple moments. Let's declutter our homes, minds, and lives together. This is the Minimal Mom Podcast. Uh, this is a good question. I know I've never answered this before. Do you and Diana pay each other to be on each other's channels or is it like mutual promotion? So if you're not familiar, I have a twin sister named Diana. For quite a while, you all got to know her because she was on my channel on Sunday mornings. So she is a pastor, has a heart behind a Bible study and devotion and, and all of that, reading the Bible. So we did Sunday mornings together for a couple years, Faith and Simple Living, and then she started her own channel, which of course I can link to, and she's over there kind of doing her thing now, but we still will pop onto each other's channels from time to time. Um, probably more so I've been going over to her channel. And uh, we don't exchange any money <laughs> for that. Uh, we just look at it as helping each other out. And Diana was actually the one who taught me how to edit videos. So a long time ago when I first got started, I can't believe it's been five years now, um, almost five years in February, I, I went to a blog conference. So I had started a blog called The Minimal Mom. I also had my other blog, I Think We Could Be Friends. And I went to a blog conference and they're like, it's all about video now. Like you need to add video to your blog. And so I came back home and I looked at my most popular blog posts, which were um, like the laundry systems, how I simplify kids clothes. Also, I did a, uh, my first blog post that, post that ever went like viral was what teachers actually want for Christmas. I It wasn't even written by me. I had a, a teacher I knew that wrote it. And so I'm like, oh, I should make that into a video. Um, so I came back home and I'm all excited about video. I knew nothing about video, but Diana had been learning it at the church where she was working and she knew how to use Final Cut Pro and to edit and do all that. So she has been my biggest cheerleader from the very beginning. She helped me edit. We did some videos together. Um, and now the rest is kind of history, but she's still um, a super fan. We bounce ideas. We talk about strategies, all the different things. And so it's really fun. And I, I honestly wish every person had a twin sister. I, I often am like, how did I get so lucky? Because we are we could not be more different. It's ironic that we have 100% the same DNA because we really couldn't be more different, but um, we are each other's like biggest supporters. I hope she feels the same way about me too. Um, but I know some twins don't always get along and that really saddens me. But really, like I have had a built-in best friend most of my life. And so it has been really cool. And I wish everybody had that. All right. What are your goals for 2024? Any new projects? Um, oh, so Adeline, our oldest. So we have four kids, ages nine through 14. So our oldest, Adeline, just turned 14. Maggie is 12. 
Corbin is 10, Gage turned nine this fall. And so there was something about Adeline turning 14 a couple weeks ago that rocked me. I don't know, 13 wasn't that big of a deal, but 14, and then all of a sudden, you know, people start making jokes like, oh, you're gonna be getting your license soon. And, and we've seen some kids around us now that are getting their license. And I'm like, hold the phone. Like 14, that means, uh, well, only two years till she has her driver's license. And then you parents with older kids are like, oh yeah, once they get their driver's license, you like never see them anymore, <laughs> right? So I'm like, I was thinking originally, I'm like, we have four years, right? 14 to 18, uh, you know? And then I'm like, wait, is it really actually only two years? Like, do we only get her really till she's 16? I don't know. It just was really jarring when she turned 14. And so I've been feeling more and more like, I need to be spending more time <laughs> with our kids. We get a fair amount of time together. I mean, we homeschool and you know, like we, we are around each other a lot, but I'm like, but are we getting enough like meaningful time together? So I've actually really scaled back on a lot of things this fall, which has been good and I'm glad for. And so then when I look ahead to the new year, I am so torn <laughs> like, okay, I want to spend time with them. I, our kids are, I love their ages right now, nine through 14. If I could freeze them here, I would. They're cool. We have really fun conversations um, and all that. But yet also I love, I love what I do. I joked on, we did a live on Tom's channel on Thanksgiving and I'm like, I would do YouTube related stuff like 14 hours a day if I could, because I love it so much and it's so much fun. And so I'm like constantly trying to like rein that side in and stay focused on this. I obviously don't wanna have any regrets. So probably no big projects coming up in 2024, but I have been working on a series of free workshops. So the first one that came out this fall was the homeschool workshop and it's completely free. It's a four video series, I think. And I just took content cause I'd gotten to speak at a couple homeschool workshops now. And so I just took um, some of that or conferences and I took that information and I put it into a free workshop. So that is already on our website. I'll put a link below and you can find that for free. But I also have more for mops groups, um, new moms, working moms. I, I, I have like a dozen free workshops that I would like to do time management using the to-do app. Um, there's so many things that I just feel like I've learned over the years that have made a huge difference in my life. And so I want to be able to share those for free. So I, I do want to keep working on those, but outside of that, probably no other big projects. We do have our Take Your House Back course on special right now. It's only $94. And if you join now, you can join us for our next All Day Declutter, which is Saturday, January 13th. It's awesome. So much work gets done on those All Day Declutter days. Now there's a full course that goes with it and instructional videos, but the all day declutters are, I've heard many people say like, I've bought courses, I don't do them. You know, the all day declutters are the date on the calendar where you show up and you expect to get a lot of work done. Like we all need accountability and motivation and all of that, we need people around us. And so that's what the all day declutters provide. And it is amazing how it will propel you <laughs> forward. And like people just go from one all day declutter to the next and they get a lot done in between as well. So I'm really proud of that course. I, if you have not achieved your decluttering goals this past year, past year, may we please help you declutter your home. Check that out. I think it is worth, I know it is worth every single penny. <laughs> we jam pack so much value. So much value. The feedback we get is like, it is worth way more than $84, but of course we wanna make it accessible. So get in now, otherwise after the new year, it will go back up to 597 or whatever. So it's a great deal right now. All right, let's look at the next question. Okay, there were some questions about homeschooling. Are you homeschooling? 
Um, do you have any advice if you're just getting started? So I will direct you to that, that free workshop. I actually still don't like to give homeschooling advice because I don't think I'm very good at it. Um, like I said, I would rather make YouTube videos than homeschool. And it's not because I don't think my cool kids are super cool. I just, I can homeschool. I just don't always feel super skilled at it, but we're, we're figuring it out. We're on our fourth year now. Check out that free workshop. I've shared all the things I do think I'm competent or like able to share in there, so you can definitely check that out. <laughs> I like this question. If you had some free time on your hands, how would you spend it? It's tough in the winter. In the summer, all day long, I would spend it in the garden or walking outside. Like those are my two favorite things to do. Um, I think they help me with like my mental <laughs> sanity too. This time of year, it's a little trickier. I do want to like research more gardening stuff, plan my garden for the next year, look at seeds that I wanna start. Oh, what is his name? From the MI Gardener. They have like a whole like new heirloom seeds that they're doing um, that I kinda wanna check out and look into those. I've kinda been looking at ideas for greenhouses, which I haven't told Tom yet, <laughs> but I think that would be really fun and just a really enjoyable place to go when it's still cold here in Minnesota. Um, so always hands down, I would love to be outside doing something, but that has actually helped me then to declutter my hobby stuff, craft stuff, sewing stuff inside. I also used to really love to sew and do different crafts and things, but I've just realized for now, this season of life, I have to have a singular focus when it comes to hobbies. So I've chosen gardening, I really enjoy it, um, and I've been willing to let the other stuff go, and I'm so glad that I did. It feels so good <laughs> that I don't have to manage that stuff anymore. How would you handle a partially completed scrapbook for your almost eight-year-old mom guilt, right? Ugh. Yeah, so there's definitely no right answers when it comes to this, but if you have a project, again, you know, I'm just talking about like, even if you had unfinished sewing projects, craft projects, other projects, what I would say is, do you think in the next three months, again, we're even heading into winter, this is probably the slowest season for most people. In the next three months, would you have time to work on and finish this scrapbook? And then it's like, we'll do like a choose your own adventure, right? If you say no, then, I would say then you have permission to let that project go. So for a scrapbook, it might look like you just decide to pull all, it depends how far you are on it. You might just decide to pull all the photos out, donate the scrapbook materials, put the photos in a photo album and be done. I mean, you could accomplish that in probably like a half hour. Or if you, uh, you could, if you have some pages complete, you can put the completed pages into the scrapbook. If you have one, you would put them into the memory box and just keep the completed pages. And then again, let go of all of the rest of the stuff. And so the reason I say to let go of the extra scrapbooking supplies then is because for most of us, we feel guilty when we see that and we feel this burden of like, oh, I really should finish that. And sometimes we think, oh, I'll keep it for the kids to do stuff or I'll use it for something else. Know for sure that you are gonna use it for something else and if not, let it go. Again, that's what I was talking about even with me choosing to focus on gardening. I can't keep all of the, the stuff for all the different things I used to be interested in. It is okay if we had an interest, we thought we were gonna have time for it like scrapbooking and now we've realized we have an eight-year-old. Life is busy, we don't have time for it. It's totally fine. Let the stuff go from it. You have permission to do that. Or the third option would be for you to say, hey, maybe my eight-year-old and I wanna work on this together. So on the weekends or sometime when we have a little extra time, we are gonna sit down and we are gonna do it together and we're gonna create memories together. It's gonna be fun. When they look back at it, they're gonna remember the times that we spent on it. But otherwise, I think for a lot of kids, I have a couple scrapbooks that have been made for me and they're special-ish. 
but if I wasn't involved in the creation, they're only kind of special. I love that someone put time into it, but what I'm really wanting to see are the pictures, not necessarily all of the embellishments around it. And so again, that's where I think, I know scrapbooks can be a huge source of guilt and baby books, right? So I would choose one of those three options, just permission to let it go, simplify it, downsize it. And I really don't think anyone is going to miss it. Okay, let's talk about foster care because this is always a question that comes up anytime we do it. And I've honestly kind of been dancing around it. So it's kind of tricky anytime you're managing something new fairly publicly. And we decided to get licensed for foster care. When was it though? I don't remember. 2020? Was it right before COVID or right when? It, I don't remember. It was around then. We, I have always wanted to do foster care. I know there is a need for it. And I thought, hey, if I can use my platform to bring more awareness to, to foster care, to show that like, yeah, it can be really difficult, but also there can be really good things that come from it, then like that would be super cool because it was something that I have felt strongly and passionately about for a long time. And so we got licensed, we went through the whole process. Um, we had, uh, we did some respite care, which is really good. And ultimately some things reveal cracks in your foundation, right? And so there was good things about it and there was really not good things about it, uh, both with our family life, also with, uh, we are on the very edge of our county and our county goes into the Twin Cities Metro. And so it felt like we were having to drive a gazillion miles and minutes away for this. And that didn't always feel meaningful, which it is, I'm imagining. But you know, they would start off by saying like, oh, there's transportation available, you won't have to do it. And inevitably it would fall through or something would come up or it was a Sunday and they didn't have it or something would, you know, something would happen. Oh, someone forgot to schedule it, right? And so um, there was that, which again, please hear me. I went into this fully expecting to be inconvenienced. I am not against inconveniences. Anything you're gonna do that could potentially be meaningful at all, of course there's gonna be drawbacks to it, but it caused us then to start looking at maybe some of the other organizations around us that we could do similar services through, but would be a little bit closer to home. So anyways, there's a lot of different things that came into it, play with it. Ultimately we decided, hey, let's put it on hold for now. And that's fine. Does it make me a little bit sad? Absolutely. Does it, has it been tricky now to talk about on here? Yes, because again, it wasn't, it, foster care is not bad, right? Are there things that can be improved and changed? Of course, but I don't want to deter anyone from, or I don't want to say like, oh, it was too hard for our family, so we just can't do it anymore. Because there's there just so many different things that came into play with it because there's just so many facets to, the, to making that decision. I do hope that it comes back around in some fashion. Um, I hope that either whether it's working with a different organization, it might still be through the county, I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I do know that if I hold on too tightly, that never works out, <laughs> right? So I am just trying to be like, it is what it is for right now, and I do hope that at some point it comes back around in a way that works well for our whole family. Okay, here's a good question. Since your house is already decluttered, will you do videos at other people's homes? I love going to other people's homes and helping them. I don't love videoing it when we go to other people's homes. It is very stressful. I feel like it puts an extra layer of pressure on, on the people whose home we're at. And I, we did go to some houses 
And I worried, I was like, I don't want them just to say that they're gonna get rid of this because they think that's what they should do or they have to do or they have to have, we have to have this like really dramatic before and after um, in order to like make it worthwhile or anything like that. And so it was very stressful. I thoroughly enjoyed the homes that we went to. Actually, I really, I really enjoyed it a lot. And the women that we got to meet, it was so cool. And it was so stressful. I was so stressed out before we went to those homes and then editing afterwards and everything. Um, it was, I don't know. So what we wanna do, I just wanna go to people's homes and not video it. I wanna help people in our community. I want to help figure out a way to enable those of you who want to go to other people's homes, whether it's through a certification or classes that might be helpful, some workshops. You know a lot about decluttering if we've spent any amount of time together, but there is something a little bit different when you go to do it to help others. And I know many of you have experienced that if you've tried to help relatives or friends or family, it's just different, right? When you're doing, when you're with someone else's stuff. But we all know how powerful it is and how everyone should get to live in a, a simplified home, right? And so, um, so I do wanna figure out a way to make it more practical and to also empower those of you who are interested into doing it well. So doing it as well. And so I always have ideas rolling around in the back of my head, like what would that look like? Um, so I still don't know for sure, but um, it's, again, yeah, it's, it's there. So we'll see what comes of that. This is a good question from Lucy. She said, what are your favorite decluttering or minimal mindset books? Just bought Simplicity Parenting. Yes, if you have kids, Simplicity Parenting is gold. I'm also putting out a podcast with the author. I'll link it below as soon as it's live. It was so good. And what I love about Simplicity Parenting, what do I love most about it? Um, it's just so practical. And he's so like realistic with his expectations. He even talks about if, you know, as parents, if your kids have just gotten maybe a little bit addicted to a devices, he's like, it's two weeks. It takes two weeks for them to detox and detach. And he just gives very practical steps for how to do so. So, and even that when he was like, it takes two weeks, I'm like, okay, most of us as parents could to do two weeks. Now we'll be selective when we choose that two weeks, but most of us could actually do that. So I just find it to be very practical, very helpful. And um, it really lines up with our simple living values if you've been on that journey. Um, another book, Let It Go by Peter Walsh, huge, especially if you're attached to sentimental stuff or if you're in a season of life where you're downsizing, that's really who he's writing that book to. Goodbye Things by Fumio Sasaki. So that's where the idea of the silent to-do list came from but also he talks a lot about contentment. And there was a theme of some questions about contentment in here as well. Now, this is something I have been trying to unravel this for years now with contentment because I thought, I honestly thought in the beginning that if you highly simplified your, your home, especially to the point of calling yourself a minimalist, that you would automatically like unlock <laughs> contentment as well. I just thought, I was so convinced they just go hand in hand and because it was very much my experience and now I've realized after visiting with others that it is actually possible to get your house fully decluttered and still feel discontent at times. And so I've been trying to unravel that and like, what is the formula, right? We always wanna like boil it down to one formula that works for everyone. And I don't, unfortunately, I don't think that's how it works, but I do see a trend of, there's something in our life that we are still 
unsatisfied with, unhappy with, feel unfulfilled in, whether it is something we had hoped to achieve and haven't. So then it's easier to look to things um, to fill that, who we thought we would become, who we thought we would spend time with, where we thought we would live, a job we thought we would have, an impact we thought our life would be making. And I think there's something underneath that we are unsatisfied with, but it's easier to look at these things and be like, well, if I had a nicer house or if I lived in that neighborhood or a nicer car or these things, then that would come. And I don't think it works that way. But I heard an influencer talking about that if you find yourself being envious of someone else, whether it's an influencer, someone online or someone in your natural context, ask yourself, okay, what is it about their life that makes me envious? And look at it, like really try it and narrow it down. And often if we're envious, it's because we want to achieve that and we have disqualified ourselves and we've thought, well, I couldn't do that. Because if we think we can do it, we don't actually usually feel envious of the other person. But if, if we've decided we've disqualified ourselves, and so she gave the example of she would see people that were going on really nice vacations and they would post their vacation pictures and she always felt super envious. And I'm like, yes, I have definitely been in that club <laughs> before, right? Um, so she said, okay, so if we can help pinpoint it, so what is it? Tom loves nice trucks and, and for many years he would look at other people's trucks and he was like, I would just really love to have that truck. And so I was like, okay, vacations, trucks, some a job, something, let's, let's go, go back to, could we have those things? And the truth is, yes, if we rearranged our priorities a little bit, like we might not be able to have the vacations and the new truck, but which one is more important? And the truth is like, yeah, we probably could have the vacations if we wanted to and if we oriented our life towards that. And you've kind of seen over the years now, we have been able, that was something early on, Tom and I were like, yeah, we would really love to not just go for like a week on vacation, like we'd love to go for a month. Like that to us would be, really, it would just feel really good in a Minnesota winter to get away for a month or so. And so you saw, we bought a used camper. It was not an expensive camper. We fixed it up. We took it down to Texas. We spent, I don't even remember how many weeks we spent. And it, it was not a costly trip. And it was something that we had thought like, oh, we would never be able to do that. Like we brought our, bought our dream property here and we have kids and this and that. And um, you know, we wouldn't even have the flexibility with our jobs. And then all of a sudden we found ourselves where we both had the flexibility and we found a way to financially make it possible. So I'm, I'm going on way more about this <laughs> than I expected to. But I don't think it's wrong if we, it, you know, if we feel envious of someone else's situation, if, but if we just step back and say, okay, what is the thing? Like, what would I enjoy? And we work backwards to say, would that, could I make that a possibility or a reality? And at the same time, we'll probably also find that achieving that thing still doesn't solve it all. Now I'm not, now I'm not magically content because I got the vacation and it's still something that we have to continue to work at. And there's a new book out called Scarcity Brain. I'm Oh, Michael Easter, I believe is his name. And he shares some really fascinating research about gratitudes because in the past, I would have said that gratitudes are part of the formula for being content. I also would say it's helping others and simplifying our physical possessions so we're not so focused on it. Also getting out of debt has helped um, because that kind of detaches you from the physical stuff and gratitudes, right? Get a gratitude journal. And then for surely, if you have minimalism and a gratitude journal, like for sure you'll be content, right? But it's really interesting. Um, um, Michael Easter was talking about 
how if you actually look at the research with gratitudes, it doesn't actually create like lasting contentment or feeling like what you have is enough. He says what actually creates that is going without. It's like fasting from these things, removing them from our lives for a season and then introducing it back in. That's what truly makes us appreciate the things we have and not always feel like we have to try to get more and more and more. I am, I see, I'm still finding myself trying to like simple this, simplify this down to like the formula for you to follow. I think there's a lot to it. I think it's deep. I think a lot of it depends on our childhood and how we were wired. Um, and so it's, it, so there's a lot to it, but I do think it's worth exploring and unraveling in your own life and figuring out like what piece for you is really helps. You know, for us, when we went down, uh, it was almost two years ago, a year and a half ago to Mexico, I got to meet Dorothy. She rescues women out of horrific situations, gives them a place to live, um, but also teaches them life skills. I mean, and she's, I believe 85, I can't remember exactly. It, I, it just blew me away. And I came back with such a different appreciation for what people are doing with their lives and how they're helping others. And that has still inspired me so much. That's why we've raised money for her and we're continuing to do so. You can still buy our printables that all the money goes there. Um, but that, that took me to a whole different level of contentment. I feel like as well, seeing, being down there in Mexico, seeing, uh, you know, how much we actually have seeing people who are giving of themselves so, uh, selflessly. Um, I came back even more of just like, get this stuff out of our house. We don't need it. I don't need the flashy other stuff out there that marketing is trying to sell me and how much fulfillment actually comes from helping others too. All right. Uh, circling back to homeschool, what made you homeschool? This is our first year and there have been some trying times. I actually remember when Tom and I were doing marriage counseling and uh, the we were it was like a, a older, a more mature couple that was mentoring us basically. And I, I just so, I can still remember sitting at their dining room table and uh, the gentleman, Denny, telling us, marriage is a sanctification process. And you know, he meant it, I mean, it just, it brings everything up to the surface. Uh, someone, some have said it's like holding a mirror to your face to see everything that's wrong <laughs> with you, right? Um, but it really is, like it reflects things back to you that you need to work on. And so I went into marriage like, oh yes, it's, it's a sanctification process, this is great. You know, we're gonna become better versions of ourselves. Um, if marriage is a sanctification process, homeschooling is like sanctification on steroids, I think. I mean, it's one thing to work, try to work through difficulties with a full-grown adult. Um, I know sometimes this goes better than others, but it's fairly reasonable and logical. You have four kids at home. Uh, you know, when we started four years ago, we were going like kindergarten through fifth grade, I think something like that, fourth grade, I don't know. And to try and sit down at the table with them every day and teach them, and you know, we have this pressure on ourselves, like it needs to be really good or you're gonna like screw them up for the rest of their life and attitudes and all the things. And I'm just like, what are, what are we doing? Why would anybody voluntarily do this? Like, could I still send them back to school, <laughs> right? So homeschooling is hard and it's also worthwhile. So that's why we do it. And the reason we switched, we just found that, you know, our it was just challenging our values. It, our values weren't lining up with a lot of things that were being taught and we had the flexibility to do so. We actually switched during COVID when, you know, we had three kids that were having to do Zoom and, the, and all this. And I actually also realized our oldest, she like she's made for school. She does very well with traditional schooling. She's still our most diligent when it comes to homeschooling, doing her homework on her own. She's very self-directed. She enjoys it and that's awesome. Uh, a couple other of our students 
are not wired like that at all. And with one of our kids, we've had like some really significant reading challenges. Now we know it's dyslexia and we're working through that. Um, also with his hearing, we've had issues. So there's been a lot of things we've had to work through and I've been really grateful that we could tailor it to him right where he was at. When we were still in traditional school, there was a lot of pressure on him to like, it needs to click, we need to do this. Like, why are you not getting this? And even though everyone was so kind, like. I love teachers. Teachers are the coolest people on earth. I have so much appreciation for schools and teachers and all of that, but we were in a position where we had the flexibility to do so. It was something we had always wanted to do. I just thought we would wait till the kids were all a little bit older. Um, I didn't have any desire to teach reading to any of our kids, but joke was on me um, during COVID, so it was fine. So I, I have a very strong value for homeschooling. I don't think it's for everyone. I'm glad that we have the flexibility to do so. I'm glad there's so many resources out there for you. So again, if you're just getting started, I have that workshop. I would also recommend finding a co-op in your area. The co-ops have saved me and they've provided community, they've provided structure. There's really talented tutors in it. Many of them have teaching backgrounds and I'm so grateful for that. And so I've been really glad for that. The kids, I mean, the, we don't have to worry about socialization around our house. They have so many opportunities for that. That's the least of our concerns, trust me with that. Um, but they've made friends and it's it's been great. And so it's very hard, it's very rewarding. It's all the things. I'm glad we have the flexibility and I honestly love when parents go into it just looking at it. If you're not sure about it, just do it for one year. You Generally in most areas, you can send your kids back to school if it doesn't work out. And I know some families, some of their kids are homeschool, some aren't, some go still back to school. And so I love that there's so much flexibility with it now. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but also don't give up in the first year if, if you don't think you're supposed to yet. Uh, I've joked like this is our fourth year and I just now feel like I'm getting it all together. But I know our kids are gonna be fine. I know if there's any deficits right now from my lack of organization and teaching when it comes to homeschooling, we can make it up pretty quickly. So I'm not worried about that. And I do think in the long run, I'm glad we're able to do it. So moving on <laughs> from that topic. Oh, this is a good question. What is your favorite thing about being a minimalist family? Um, time and peace. So I feel like our house is so easy to manage now. I had shared a little while back, they I, I read a statistic about that the average household in the US takes two and a half hours a day to manage and run from cleaning, cooking, grocery shopping, bills, all that kind of stuff, two and a half hours a day. And I read that and I'm like, there is no, not even on any day do I spend two and a half hours on our home. Now it's small, but I've also, simplified it so much that, I mean, when we were like Adeline and I were like trying to like figure out, I'm like maybe 40 minutes a day um, between like cooking and cleaning and picking up. But that has been what's so cool. If your house is still, if it just feels hard, like your house should not have to feel hard. Keep decluttering and simplifying it until it gets to a point where you can really manage it very easily. That is possible even with young kids. I feel like we have a lot more time because I have highly simplified our home and I feel like it is so peaceful, it's so peaceful. I love our house so much. And by having more time, more peace in our house, I feel like a better mom because I'm more patient, I have more bandwidth to navigate. I mean, our kids are not perfect, right? There's still plenty of things that we have to navigate. I have to learn new skills for parenting. I have to be like, wow, did they, like, did they really just say that to me? I'm like, who, like, who are you and why? Like, why would you think you can say that to me, right? And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Um, and so I have to learn new skills, new tactics, and I feel like that I have the capacity to do that. 
And so please, if your house still feels hard, keep simplifying and decluttering because you can, like really, even I work full time, we have four kids, we homeschool, all, I mean, we really, like when you say you do all the things, like we really kind of do all the things, but I feel like because our house is so simple that it's enjoyable, it's practical, it's possible, we still have our days, but the, those days are fewer and farther between. How do your parents view minimalism? I have such cool parents. Um, they've never been ones to give me a hard time about anything. Have they been skeptical, a little bit unsure? Like, hmm, how's that gonna play out for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think in the in the beginning, I unintentionally offended my mom, which mom, I'm really sorry. When I would declutter things, like um, usually it wasn't like, like sentimental or gift gift things. It was more like if she would get something from a garage sale or a thrift store or what. And I would kind of, you know, cause I was just like, get it out, <laughs> right? And so I do think I inadvertently offended um, some people in the beginning and I did not mean to, but she has been so gracious with me. And now I know she really has a value for it too. She's very supportive of what we do in our house. Um, she's very considerate whenever there's gift giving occasions to ask what the kids would want. And she's done a ton of decluttering in her house too. Her, I love her, her house is awesome. Like she's done so much work in there and it's it's great. And so I am, I you know, I'm just so fortunate. I have a twin sister who's like a cheerleader. My parents have always been my biggest fans and so supportive. I mean, they just said, you can do anything. Like you absolutely can do anything, you know? Um, and then I have you behind me too. And so, man, what couldn't I accomplish, right? And so I'm very grateful for that. Now, with that being said, I know that's not everyone's experience. And so I'm really sorry if people have said snarky things to you, have been unkind, have implied that you're being wasteful or inconsiderate or you don't care, because I know that that is not the truth. You, you want what I was just describing, my favorite thing about our minimalist home, right? You want it to be peaceful. You want your time back. You want your life back. You want to have good relationship with your kids. And so for me, all day long, that stuff wins out. Do I ever want to offend anybody? No, 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 I don't. But there are times where I am going to choose peace in our home over the stuff. And I know there was a question too about what would you say if you have decluttered something um, that someone gave to your kids? And I, I had this experience. Uh, it was Christmas a few years ago. The kids got this great, beautiful, wonderful, large gift they didn't play with it. And so a few weeks later, I decluttered it. The person came over and I could, they did not say anything, but I could just tell they were looking around like, oh, where did that go? You know, is it still here? Are they playing with it? At the time I chose not to say anything. And uh, then later they asked and the kids said, oh, mom decluttered it. <sighs> and that is like your worst fear, right? And again, I don't know what the right answer is in this situation. I just know that, again, I'm choosing my house being peaceful and not taking a lot of time to manage over keeping all of this stuff. And so, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of owning up to things and saying I'm sorry. Um, you know, again, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, what is the verbiage here, right? If you just say like, you know, we're so grateful for your gift. It turns out that the kids actually really weren't playing with it. And so we decided to pass it on in hopes that some other kids could make use of it. I don't know. It's tricky. It's, it's so hard. So, but here's what I want to encourage you. That was, I don't know, a few years ago. It was awkward for like a half hour. 
Um, and now I don't even think about it again until a question like this comes up. So if I have to look at keeping all the things to keep all the people happy, I, there's no way I could choose that over having our, our home be peaceful. And so, yes, could there be a few bumps in the road? Yes. Um, but honestly, I could count on one hand or less how many times things like that have happened. And so I don't think you have to worry about it as much as you might fear. I don't think it comes up as often as we, as we worry about. So I, I think it's me okay. Um, I just saw my mom drive in, <laughs> drive in with Maggie. She's bringing Maggie back home. So I'm gonna go say hi to her real quick and then I'll be right back. I know I say it a lot, my mom really is the coolest. I wish everyone had a twin sister and a mom. Like my mom, you'd be set. I mean, like it would just, it would solve so many problems in the world right now. All right, uh, advice for decluttering while pregnant or nesting, 36.5 weeks. Oh, yay, that's exciting. Um, Here's what I would say. If you've got some good nesting hormones going on, declutter as much as possible. Just go like so far as you're able to. I just found, and I know I'm not the same, but I'll just share my, like everyone's different, but I'll share my experience. I remember uh, getting home with Adeline. She's actually in the bathroom right behind me now, getting ready, cause she's 14 and now she does things like that right out of line. <laughs> Anyways. Um, she, uh, so with Adeline, I was in labor for like, it was, it ended up being like 54 hours, ended in a C-section. So then you have to be, I felt like I was in the hospital forever because you have to be in another three days after you have the baby, right? And so we got flowers and gifts. It was our first baby. It was very exciting. And we got home from the hospital and Tom had put like all the flowers on our, our table and there's some on the counter and there's gifts around and all and everything. And I just remember it was like a couple days after we got back home and I just like got up and I just like threw all the flowers away. I put all the gifts in the nursery bedroom. I just, I'm like, I just need my house to like feel normal and to be picked up and tidy and not have all of this stuff around. And we actually kept things really minimal when, um, when our kids were babies, even though it was before I like technically found minimalism. I don't know why I just didn't want all of the stuff around. And I'm really grateful for that because having a new baby is very stressful. Uh, my sister reiterates this to me now, you know, she just had their fourth and her too. She was just like, I have gotten rid of so much baby stuff. And if I want to get it again, it is so easy to get it on marketplace. So even from baby to baby, she only kept the bare minimum of the stuff she knew for sure that she would use. And so just permission to only keep the stuff that you like and that your baby likes to not worry if someone else says, but oh, this saved us and this was the best thing ever. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. And really work to keep your house simple because those early years are stressful and they're time consuming and there's so much that you're doing. You don't have extra time to maintain all of this stuff. And honestly, you probably never will. I thought like, oh, the kids will be 14 and we're gonna have so much time and not true, <laughs> right? No, actually no woman has said to me like, oh, this, this season came and now I have all of this time. Every season, it just has different time sucks, right? So it's fine, but um, yeah, if you're gonna have a baby soon, I would just declutter as much as possible. You're not gonna miss any of it. Any suggestions for decluttering while moving to a new house? If possible, I would rent a dumpster if it's in the budget. Dumpsters have actually gotten kind of expensive, so it's not for everyone. But otherwise, when you are packing, make sure you have a donation box and a black trash bay with you while you're packing. Because I know the temptation, especially as it gets closer to your move date, that we just start chucking stuff in boxes and we're like, I'll deal with it on the other side. And that is the worst possible thing that you could do. Because when you're still in your old house, you can collect the data. 
have I used this in the past year? How long has this been in the back of this closet? You know, we thought we were gonna use it and we're not. But the problem is it has to be just as easy to put it in a donation box or a black trash bag as it is into your moving box. So every time you go to pack, make sure you have a, a black trash bag in a, in a donation box and make your goal to put more stuff into those two receptacles than your moving box. Home decor, what is the right amount? That's a really good question because I think it changes from season to season of life, not like fall to spring, but like from um, just life changes and season changes. And when our kids were really little, I intentionally had very little decor because I just didn't wanna have to be protecting things. And I don't know, it just wasn't a priority to me. And again, I thought like, oh, as they get older, then I'm gonna want more and I'll do more. And I've done a little more, even this Christmas, I've done a little more than I have in the past, but it's still not a lot. And I've found that I actually, even though I actually really enjoyed home decor in the past, I loved watching all the TLC shows and, and HGTV shows and all of that but it's still inventory that we have to manage. And I've really appreciated having it all highly simplified in our home. So it's unique to you, to the style of home you have, to the season you're in, but you might wanna go further on the simple simplifying side than you originally thought. And I think you'll actually find that you enjoy your house a lot more when you do. Do your kids get allowance? Good question. We, they don't. So no, they do not get allowance. They do get the opportunity to earn money, sometimes with different projects around our, our house. Like if it's a bigger project or outside, we will offer to pay them. If it feels outside of like, hey, you doing your part to get to live here and for us to feed you and clothe you. So sometimes around our house or our property, we have projects that we will pay them for. If they're doing work at any of our rental properties, then they do get paid for that and they keep track of their hours. Um, and then they also get money from birthdays and Christmas. I'm blown away actually often how much money they get for those types of things. Also, my mom will pay them too if they help at their house. So they still have lots of opportunity to practice managing money, even if we're not giving them allowance. So we're kind of going back and forth of should we set up savings accounts for them, bank accounts, debit cards. We've, we very much have a value for them using cash when they go places so that, you know, if you followed any Dave Ramsey, or what are all the other programs, basically any financial program, getting out of debt will say use cash because there's actually a pain response when you give it to somebody. Now that's not always possible if they're getting something online or on Amazon or something, but when possible, we want them to use cash or for them to have to give us to ca the cash and then we'll, we'll use our debit card for it. So we went back and forth, should we get savings account or whatnot, but that kind of seemed like a hassle if they want to go get money, but we want it to be harder to get money out. Anyways, what we landed on was we have these four uh, like zippered cash envelope things. What are they called? I don't know, pouches, <laughs> I don't know. And then we also got these envelopes off of Amazon. And so for each child, they're gonna have three envelopes in here, one for, um, spend, save, and donate or give. We want them every time they get money in or paid to allocate some to each of those funds. Like, can we spend our money? Of course, like little things you wanna get here and there, yes, we'll have an envelope for that. Things you wanna save for, so something bigger that you're saving up for. And then also make sure we're setting aside money to give as well. And then they can keep track of it, they can see what goes in, what comes out. And so that's what we're gonna do right now. 
Will we do it forever? At some point, yes, we will get them debit cards or uh, bank accounts and whatnot. But for now, we wanted it to feel very hands-on. We wanted them to be able to see their money, where it is, and again, to have that like physical feeling of pain <laughs> when it's leaving their hands. How to say no when family members declutter their homes and bring it to yours. This comes up uh, quite a bit in our in our mentorship group. And so it's something we've gotten to talk through a lot, which I'm really glad for. And so really what we've landed on is to let them know, hey, thank you. My home actually has enough stuff in it right now. So I'm not gonna keep it in my house, but I'm happy to bring it to the donation center for you, or I'm happy to lift it, list it on Marketplace for you. And I know it can come in many forms, whether it's stuff for the kids or stuff for you. And there are exceptions. Um, you know, once in a while I would accept things from certain people just because I knew that the only way it was gonna move out of their space was if they thought it was going to someone that they knew and was gonna make use of it. And so I'm like, oh, I will gladly take that. And then I sometimes I would use it and sometimes I would declutter it. But um, I do think it is important to communicate that, wow, thank you, this is so generous and I'm not able to keep it in my house. And again, we get into that territory of like, Ugh, like I could offend them and who knows what they're thinking or what they're gonna say or the worst yet, right? What are they gonna tell other people about this, about me? Who are they gonna talk about uh, me behind my back to, right? Like that's just the worst. But again, ultimately we're prioritizing a peaceful, easy to manage home. And so you know the person best, but I do think we have to start saying like, I'm sorry, um, I can't keep it in my house, but I'll help you get rid of it. <laughs> How do I feel done with decluttering? I struggle with never being happy with progress. Again, I think it, we were hoping to get to the end and feel a certain way and be like, wow, now I feel confident. I feel complete. I feel like I can just sit back and relax and enjoy life. And again, sometimes that comes and sometimes it doesn't. So I'm wondering, is there something bigger you are hoping to achieve? Again, I love that because our house was simplified, we went on a missions trip to, well, let's say I'll back up even further. Because our house was simplified, we were able to get out of debt. I totally think those things go on hand in hand, which then made it possible for us to take our whole family on a missions trip to Mexico, which then I met Dorothy and now I've been able to come back and use what influence I have to help raise money for her and to help make their lives easier. And I guess I haven't given a well update recently. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked, but um, the, the well is run, they're using the water, they've been able to provide all the water for their facility now from the well, which is so cool. They're just still working on getting all the plumbing and infrastructure into the building for it, but it's awesome. Like They have not had to buy any water now, which is so cool. So it's probably, it's not my house being decluttered that brought the happiness or contentment or joy or ability to help others. It's the, the mental bandwidth that it freed up that now I've been able to use that time and energy on other things that feel more worthwhile. So I'm wondering, is there something now that you likely have more time on your hands, what do you wanna do with that time? Do you wanna go back to school? Do you wanna help others? Do you wanna learn a new hobby or a new skill? Uh, are there people, do you wanna get a good social group together where you can just go out for coffee and dinner uh, often and have more social connection with people? And so there's lots of different ways we can spend that time. But again, I don't think the how simplified is the actual destination. And so I'm guessing that's why it probably doesn't feel satisfying right now. What happened with your bread making? Is that still something you're doing? So we, we actually got really good at making sourdough uh, using a bread machine, right? I don't have any desire to knead it and make it <laughs> by hand or anything like that. We got pretty good at it. 
And what we would find is we would make a loaf and especially Tom would really consume a lot of it. If warm sourdough with butter is just, it is so good. And he, he's always known he gets headaches if he would eat like pasta, uh, chocolate, too much sugar, definitely like he just would get headaches from it. But we had thought like it's sourdough, so therefore the gluten connection shouldn't be there, whatever. But yet it would still make him feel really crappy the next day. So we just stopped making it because it just felt like it was contributing to him <laughs> feeling like junk. Um, but I don't know, we've been talking about it. I still have the starter in our fridge. We still feed it occasionally. Luckily it's very forgiving to being neglected. And so I kind of, I think it's because it's cold out now. I'm like, oh, I'd kind of really like to start making it again. And it's a really fun gift to be able to give. It is kind of time consuming. And if your house is not warm, like ours isn't, because my preference is to keep our house at like 66, sometimes up to 68. Um, you have to like put it on like a heating pad or something to get the dough to rise. And so that was always a little bit tricky in our house. Um, but I, I have thought like it would be fun to make it again. So I don't know, we have all the stuff, so we still could. Okay, next is what is your favorite Christmas tradition? So my top love languages are quality time and words of affirmation, if you follow the five love languages. So for me, it's any get together I, I love. Like growing up, my favorite thing was to go to my grandparents' house where all the aunts and uncles and cousins were together and we would be over there all day and we would eat and we'd open gifts and we'd eat some more and then we'd watch a movie and play with our new toys. And so that was always my favorite. Um, and still today, I think it's anytime getting together for anything, whether it's with friends to have a meal or to go to my parents' house or up to Tom's family, um, any of those get togethers are always my favorite. I'm also really enjoying now like helping to prepare the food and planning good food to bring and different things like that. So that's been, so that is probably still my favorite. So it's not like maybe a specific tradition, I guess. Um, when we were growing up, we would open gifts on Christmas Eve at our house. And so we would go out to look at Christmas lights and then Santa would come while we were out looking at Christmas lights and put all the presents out under the tree. And then we would come back home and open our gifts on Christmas Eve, which was very smart of my parents because we all got to sleep in on Christmas morning. But it was funny, even well once we understood Christmas more, my my you know, my dad would always have to go back in and put extra wood in the wood stove. We had a wood burning stove at that time, and it was just so ironic. Like every time he'd have to go put more wood in, um, you know, before we could go look at lights. But um, even when he knew we had better understandings of things he would he would still do it and play into it and that was always a lot of fun so how do you and your family spend your winter evenings we actually we play a lot of games well we don't not a lot of games we play a few games over and over again <laughs> rummy cube is still everyone's favorite or my i don't know tom and i's favorite so that's the one we vote for most often um we also play what uno jenga i don't know adeline what games do we like to play the most i like card games like adeline like card card games which card games Spoons, uh, we like playing Canasta. Crazy Eights. None of them take up a lot of space, thank you. Um, the kids are also, the younger three are in Taekwondo now in the evenings, and so that takes up some of our evening time, which is fine. I'm, I'm really glad they're in it, um, and it's been really good. And it's nice, you know, if you've done it before, it's just like a drop-in schedule, so we can pick which nights work best for us and which don't, and just go to those evenings. But it's been really great, and um, we're glad that we're doing that, so we don't have as many nights just at home um, hanging out anymore. You know, I mean, there's always stuff. There's another play coming up that the girls are gonna be in, which is 
great and we love them having that experience. So we don't have as many evenings just at home anymore, but if we do find ourselves with some extra time, then we usually pull out a game to play, which is fun. How much time do you personally devote to decluttering weekly? You know, I just do it so intuitively now. It's just like a muscle, a natural thing as we go. So weekly, maybe 15 minutes, I think, if you averaged it out. I don't know. I often leave areas of our house a little more cluttered because I'm like, I'm going to do a video <laughs> on that. So, but if I, if I weren't ever trying to like record it or do anything with it, it would probably be 15 minutes a week, 20 minutes, a half hour, maybe. I don't know. You get really good at maintaining it when you've really, you know, we're eight, almost nine years in. I don't even know now. When you've experienced the benefits, like even as I was decorating for Christmas this year, I was just like, this is so awesome. This, like, I am so, so glad that we did this. Yes, are there risks? Could you get rid of stuff that you actually use or want? Could you offend somebody? Yes, but I am so glad that I learned about this, that we have done this, that we've maintained it. And so I just look at the stuff so differently that it doesn't feel hard. It just feels like a muscle I do. Like just along with cleaning and picking up, it's just decluttering. It's like, nope, we're not using this. Oh, throw this in the donation box. The kids will bring me stuff. Oh, we're not using this anymore. And I would have worried in the past that it would feel like it was kind of wasteful, like, oh, we're not using it, so just get rid of it. It's, not, it's really not like that. It's like we value a peaceful home so much and we realize that if stuff is not serving us, we're just not gonna keep it anymore, that it's like we just keep stuff in its proper place. It's a tool, it's meant to make life easier, and if it's not, then it's okay to pass it on. You might be able to relate to this one. 28,000 pictures on my phone. Solution, help. <laughs> so, um, Follow Miss Freddy on Instagram or Facebook. She has great solutions for digital clutter. And an app that she introduced me to is called Good Ones. And what it does is it helps you sort through your pictures and just keep the good ones. And what I really like about it is that you'll actually set a goal for how many photos you wanna go through a day and then it prompts you. I think it starts out just at like 10 or I don't know. It's a very reasonable amount, but it just prompts you and it'll say, these photos look alike, pick out the best one. It, it makes it easier to go through them. You can just click the ones you like, delete the rest, and then it'll ask you like, are you sure you wanna delete these ones? But it's much easier going through that than just like pulling up the photos on your phone. And so you do, you can start out free and then you do have to pay for it. But if you have that many photos on your phone, I think something like this is a, a very worthwhile investment. Favorite coffee you are drinking or making? That's kind of a complicated question. Um, my first cup of the day, I always, it's usually just black. And then, um, and then when I make a second cup around like 10 or 11, um, then I'll add in some heavy cream and some honey. Tom and I have gotten really good at making lattes here at home and I will share that. And so that's, see the problem when you get really good at making something like that at home is then you kind of want to make it all the time. And I'm like, no, not all the time. Um, but if I'm out and about, I like to try the seasonal lattes. I'll ask for a half cap and with half the amount of sweetener in it, whether it's like syrup or whatever. I always ask for it with half of it, no whipped cream. Um, so I do like to try the different seasonal drinks. In the summer, Starbucks, the cold press with the cold foam on top, that was so good. I like salted caramel cold foam on top of a cold press coffee. That was super good. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that. So I like a lot of different coffees. If you and I go out for coffee, um, there's not much I would turn down. So I think any of it I would <laughs> I would go for. What do I do with my yearbooks? I have first grade through college. Okay to trash. 
Yes, you absolutely may trash them. Um, others in our like mentorship group, they would, if maybe there was a few pages in there they wanted to keep, whether their picture was on it or it had signatures or autographs, there's many people in our group that have just pulled out some of the pages from their yearbooks and then kept those. If you want to keep them and continue to maintain them, that's great, like you can do that. But for many, I don't know, it doesn't necessarily bring up happy memories when I look back. My, high school was not bad. Um, for me, it was fairly neutral, I'm very fortunate, but I, it's still, when I look back, I'm like, it's just not a time in life where I need to go back and revisit to the extent that I'm gonna go through old yearbooks. Now, others have different experiences with that. So I'm okay getting rid of them. I don't think my kids are ever gonna want them and maybe I'll pull out the page with my picture in it. Um, I don't know, they're at my parents' house still, so I haven't actually had to deal with them yet, but I've imagined what I would do and it's not keeping them. So you have permission to keep them or not keep them, totally up to you. Can we see your kids' rooms and how you organize toys? Yes, so I have videos with both that I can link to. Our girls, the older two are 12 and 14, they don't really have toys anymore, which is sad and then the boys um, i've realized that we just have to keep really low inventory so again with your kids rooms remember kids are not meant to manage inventory and not lots and lots of inventory kids do best when they can use their imagination so they thrive in highly simplified spaces we know this because have you ever like cleaned a room and then they come in and they just want to like dance and play or they like live in that room then right they're just like wow this is so awesome so kids thrive in highly simplified spaces they love to be able to and use use their imagination and often we overwhelm them with all of this stuff clothes and stuffed animals and toys and legos and we're like but they like it they want it do they it's like, they don't know what they want. They're kids, they're young, right? And so if you really look at um, cultivating contentment in kids, it's when they can use their imaginations and they have the space to do so. And so I would really work on keeping your kids' rooms highly simplified. Um, in the beginning, we didn't keep any of their toys in their rooms. It was really just for like quiet time, like reading, like hanging out and sleeping. Now they have some toys in their rooms, but again, we keep the inventory so low. And even for Legos, yes, Legos, um, I've shared it before, I'll, uh, like we have two small bins and they will play for hours with that because even Lego inventory can get to be too much for our kids and it completely overwhelms them. So pack half of it away and just see how that goes and then pack another half away and you're probably still not gonna miss any of them. Do you have a set day you grocery shop, pick up, or is it random? Uh, it always used to be random, but now the kids have co-op on Wednesdays and that I have like kind of protected and carved out now as my errand running and grocery pickup and returns kind of day. And that has been awesome to have a dedicated day to that. I feel so on top of all of my, like I don't have returns that ride around in my car forever. I get that stuff done, um, being able to pick up groceries and just knowing every week when it's gonna be. So I have really appreciated that a lot. So that has been really good. But it's so fun to get to hang out with you today. I am so grateful for you and your support and how you share our videos with others and everything. And I am excited to really do more decluttering in the new year with you as well. Like I said, it just, having a simplified home is just the best thing ever and you are worthy of that. If you need a little extra help, join us in the Take Your House Back course. You will laugh, you'll declutter, you'll feel so good. By the end of January, your house could feel completely different. So of course I'll link to that as well and it'd be fun to see you in there too. But if not, no worries, we'll hang out on YouTube together, totally fine. All right, well, I love you, I hope you have a really good day and I'll see you again soon. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're looking for more support, be sure to check out The Minimal Mom on YouTube, too. And we'll see you next time.